getting somewhere. Yeah, we all up in this shit. Yeah. I ain't to tap to settle down with a wife and kid. I live for the grind and I grind to live. I wanna do the thing. Great. Hope you're all having an amazing week so far. Um, I realize that it's been a while since I've done an episode and life just kind of got in the way. But I'm super excited to be here and to conclude my story on how I got code restarted. So the first few episodes I shared about um, coming all the way from Nigeria to the US. And now today I am going to share about how CodeWiz got started, some of the lessons that I learned along the way, and how we branched into franchising. But before I jump into all of that, I just wanted to give a quick update. I have been trying to decide what direction to take this podcast in. And one of the things that I've been, two of the things that I've been thinking about have been, one, I can use this um, to sort of share my lessons learned um, as I've been franchising and you know going along in the code with business with other emerging franchisors or other business owners and um, just kind of helping them to avoid those pitfalls or I could use this as a medium to share other people's stories of how they have you know become successful and when I say successful I don't mean you know Beyonce Mariah Carey level of success um but just, you know, like everyday people, just you and me, how they've overcome challenges regardless of their circumstances and how every day they are just, you know, putting one foot in front of the other and achieving success. And if you haven't guessed, I, I decided on the latter. So what we're going to be having after this episode, I'm going to be inviting a bunch of people who would come on and just share their stories from their perspectives. And these are, you know, just regular Joes in quotes. These are not people that the media is, you know, um, pursuing people that everybody wants on their podcast. These are just people like me and you just regular people that had dreams or have dreams and are pursuing those dreams, whether it's full time, part time, in a job or in a business. Um, They will just be sharing their stories. And the hope is that they would be inspiring you um, to take that first step. I think part of the challenge when it comes to pursuing our dreams, whatever those dreams are, is just taking that first step. And so my hope is that by bringing people from a variety of industries, you would be able to see yourself in their stories. You would be able to identify with their stories and would be will feel empowered to to take that next step, especially as we head into 2021. Okay, so that's what we're gonna be doing going forward, but I'll quickly share um, how CodeWiz got started, how we went, got into franchising, and that'll be it for this episode. All right, so where I stopped off was me graduating from Tufts. Um, I, my, I got my first job as a quality assurance engineer, a manual tester, basically. So they would give me a bunch of phones and I would have to test the app um, that was developed by the developers. And it was a very, it was a good company, great people, but the job itself was just not me at all because I am a very 
big, you know, big idea person, visionary type person. I just, I like the big picture. I like to try new things. I was just not like detailed and analytical enough to enjoy repetitive tasks, doing things over and over again, trying to find the bugs. If anything, I was the worst tester because um, I would find a bug and I would be like, oh, they probably meant to do this, right? Because they're just so optimistic. But anyways, so I was pursuing that job. Um, I just, you know, not feeling like this is a good fit for me, feeling like I, I needed to do more, to be more. But, and I had my, I'd set my sights on Amazon, Google, Microsoft, or Facebook, like getting into one of those companies because coming from um, Tuft, you know, that was what everybody wanted to do. And so, you know, that naturally was a goal for me. So um, I tried, I applied to Amazon, got rejected, applied to Google, got rejected, applied to Facebook, didn't even bother with a callback. Um, I applied to Microsoft, failed the first time. And then the second time, um, they wouldn't even, the second time I applied, they wouldn't even give me a callback. And then I realized that part of the problem was that I didn't have a lot of projects on my resume. You know, it's one thing to, um, to graduate and say, oh, I did, I did the checkers game in class, but these people really wanted to see some form of real world experience. And unfortunately, I didn't know and nobody told me that we should actually have been doing internships when I was in grad school. I had no idea. So I was spending my whole summers trying to make money. So um, I realized that that was a deficiency that I had. And so what I did was I decided to just go learn it on my own and to build different projects on my own, just to demonstrate to people that I could learn things on my own and that I was passionate about coding and I did that and I never finished any of the projects, to be honest, but people, the employers were just satisfied with seeing that I took the initiative to start something, that I was passionate enough about coding to be doing it in my spare time. And so with having a more robust um, portfolio, I applied to Microsoft again, and this time I got an interview, but guess what? I was 37 weeks pregnant. And so I started to do the math. Ugh. You know, if I wait till after the baby, that's at least 10 to 12 weeks that I have to wait. And only God knows whether I'll be sleep deprived and exhausted and whatnot. But if I have to do it right now, that means traveling, because we used to live in New York at the time, traveling to Boston, 37 weeks pregnant, going to stand, because Microsoft interviews then were like four to six hours and you're standing most of the time. And I was just like, oh, but if you know me, you know that my sense of urgency is through the roof. I'm like, it's now or never, baby. So I uh, took a flight, came to Boston, did the interview. I was huge, humongous, round. I'm sure the interviewers like, were like, good Lord, what just happened here? Uh, but I think that to a large extent, it also showed that I really wanted it. For me to be there so pregnant um, and, and doing what I had to do, I think, I think that was something that also helped, um, helped my case. So anyways, I got into Microsoft, which was super, super exciting. I had hit my goal and I was happy. Started working there. We moved to Boston. Start, uh, moved to Boston. Kiki was six weeks. 
started working. I know she was like super, just tiny. It was really tiny. Uh, but you know, you, you got to do what you got to do. And we were fine. And it was all good for like a year plus of spoiled six figure income. What could go wrong? And then the whole thing of, oh my gosh, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. This is not where I'm supposed to be. I don't feel happy. I don't feel fulfilled. All started to come up again. And um, I explored doing like a bunch of businesses. I did a dating app, guys. I did a dating app. The problem was that I was ahead of my time. And it just looked creepy when I was telling people about it. It was like, nobody dates online, but now it's a thing, right? I was just ahead of my time. But anyways, um, so I did that, that failed. And then um, I just decided, you know what? I'm just, I'm done. I'm just going to leave and I'm just going to try something else. What really pushed me over the edge was that we moved to the suburbs and the commute was like an hour and a half, one way by train and about an hour or so of heavy traffic driving. And what would happen was one, I'd be late to catch the train because, you know, unfortunately I'm, I tend to be late. And then, so it's always running to catch the train. There's hardly any parking. So I'm parking on the grass and then you're racing to catch the train and 50% of the time you catch it, the other 50% you don't catch it. And it was just too much. It was just frustrating. And I was just like, God, especially because I wasn't also like super happy and excited in my job. So it was just like, I'm just enduring all of this for nothing. So I quit my job at Microsoft and then I started to work for a company closer home. I figured if the drive was like 15, 20 minutes, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be so bad. But oh man, it was kind of the same thing. Again, great people, great, great teams, great products, but I just wanted more. I just felt really stuck and just felt like I, I was born for more. You know, I was, I was made to do more. And so after I had Timmy, my boy, I didn't go back to the second company. And that was also largely because Immediately after Timmy was born, he we were always in and out of the doctor's offices. There was always something going on with him. He wasn't eating. You know, we were going to specialists, Boston Children's and all of that. Um, till today, he has a major food aversion and we still have to give him most of his supplements through a tube in his belly. But And, and so all of those issues started then. And so I was just like, you know what? I'm done. Just forget it. I'll be a stay-at-home mom. I'll just, you know, figure out my life. Uh, it was, I think, two weeks after deciding I was going to be a stay-at-home mom, I realized I couldn't do it. And hats off to all the stay-at-home moms. I don't know how you do it, but I really, really have mad respect for you ladies and guys for the stay-at-home dads too. So um, it was around that time. I was like, okay, I've always wanted to do business. This is the time to do it. And then my husband, Sean, was like, hey, babe, you should go to a 7-Eleven. I'll buy it for you. I'm like, oh, first of all, I have a soda addiction. So I'll drink all the soda in the 7-Eleven. So I'll probably bankrupt myself due to the soda addiction. So that's probably a bad idea. But um, 7-Elevens just didn't, you know, it just wasn't, I just wasn't feeling it. So I started to look at you know, thinking about what I had 
been through to come here. And I was like, wow, you know, somebody taught me how, somebody helped me to learn how to code. And coding was something that really changed my life. And one of the reasons I wasn't really enjoying my job at Microsoft and the other places was that I couldn't see how all my work was impacting people. And so if, I'm, if I go back to what my issues were, it's the lack of impact and it, well, I was still using my coding experience, but a huge part was the lack of impact and the lack of flexibility. So how can I combine, you know, do something that gives me, allows me to impact the next generation, gives me flexibility and lets me use my coding skills. And that's where I came up with um, the coding for kids concept. So I looked into the franchises that were available then, and it was like, ah, no, no, I think I can do better. You know, the true entrepreneur, oh, this looks so easy. I'm sure I can do this by myself. Good Lord, was it hard. It was hard, hard, hard. I think 2020 trumps anything, like 2020 takes a trophy, trophy on anything being hard. But before 2020, that was the hardest thing I've ever done. And, but, you know, I stuck with it. I, I kept pushing forward. I kept doing it. And then just as I started CodeWiz, um, Timmy, my boy, was diagnosed with um, autism. And if anybody has had to live through that, you know that it is a life-changing experience. Um, it's, it's not something you do. It's not something you deal with when you have a new business. And so I was completely stressed out, completely overwhelmed. I, I was on the verge of a mental breakdown many, many times. But I'm, I'm actually grateful that I went through that experience because it taught me a very, very important lesson that I see people struggle with. I see a lot of business owners struggle with today. And that lesson is your business is bigger than you. Your business will not survive if you think you're the only person that can do it right. So you got to learn to delegate. So very, very quickly, I learned that I needed help. So I got on board uh, my very first um, management employee, Megan, who was absolutely amazing. She just came in and, you know, took, she, take, she took Codeways like it was her own. And she was such a wonderful, wonderful addition to the team. And because she was able to step in and help me, I was able to step back from the day-to-day. -day. So she was running the day-to-day -day while I would be running around from pillar to post with Timmy for all his therapy sessions. We would do like four in a day. But I would be able to, you know, like text Megan, email her. Okay, here's what you want to do. Here's what you need to do. If she had issues, she would email me back. And it, it was really awesome. There's no way CodeWiz would have gotten to where it was if I was not able to give up some of that responsibility. And what is even more amazing that came out of that was because I wasn't there all the time, we started to write manuals. Um, you know, she would ask me something and I said it like 10 different times. I'm like, okay, hon, we need to write a manual for this. Just, just dump it in Google Doc. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't even have to be grammatically correct. As long as you understand it, 
just put it in Google Docs and now you have something to reference when you can't reach me or when you, you need to figure out what you want to do. Now that, those Google Doc brain dumps is what ended up forming the basis of our operations manual today. So we started to write all of those things. We started to put thoughts, processes, and yes, it's always something that's continuously improved and always something that we'll continue to add to. But those were the things that formed the foundation of our operations manual. And all of this was happening while I was dealing with a life-altering um, health diagnosis that we had just received. So on the one hand, I'm terribly worried and you know, concerned for my boy because I don't know what this diagnosis means for him. I don't know if therapy would help him. I don't know how it's going to impact his life in the future. And in the other, on the other hand, I have a business that I just started. I just signed a five-year lease. So I can't even get out, right? I have a loan. I bought all this equipment. And it was, it was such a stressful time. But again, I think that that was the one thing. My employees call me the super delegator. Like I have no issues delegating. Just, just go do stuff. All right. If you, if you don't know what, if you're confused, you can come back and ask me, but just go do it. I don't need to get updates every two seconds. Just go do it, get it done. And I think it was really that experience that helped to help me to learn that um, just surrounding myself with a strong team and just giving them some direction and letting them run with it actually betters my business than me being in the whole thing, meddling and messing up the whole thing. Because you know, another thing that I learned when I was the one doing trial classes, because we do the way we get customers into our business is that everybody can do a trial class and then if they like it, they sign up. When, when I was the one in charge of trial classes, we were converting at about 50%. And as soon as Megan came in, we were converting at 70%, which was crazy. But then what I realized was when I was doing it, I was stressed, I was tired. I had no time for chit chat. You know, like a parent comes in and wants to tell you like about their day and this and that and make small talk and I'm just completely exhausted. And so I shut down the conversation very quickly because I just want to stop talking. And all of those little things were affecting the conversion rates. Um, so me being exhausted, me not being American, truthfully was also a factor because there were so many cultural references that I just didn't understand. So like a parent or a child could say something and I just don't get it. So I might do like a laugh just so that it don't feel awkward. But for, for somebody who grew up here, who understands the culture really well, she was able to carry on conversations with them about the things they talked about. And that just really helped to build rapport with the parents. And that helped us with our conversion rates. So anyways... So those were the things that I, I noticed and I'm like, whoa, all right, I'm just going to back off and I'm just going to do my thing. So it was very easy for me to live in the, um, in the 20% of things that actually move the business forward versus being bugged down by the day-to-day -day, um, of the business. So anyways, we start CodeWiz, it's going great. Um, I did have a couple of interesting incidences. One person you know, uh, came in and said, oh my gosh, this is great. You know, if you make a white man the face of your business, this is going to be so great. And 
that was something that was so hard to hear. It was so, so hard to hear for someone to judge me without knowing me just based on the color of my skin, my gender, and say that this is not going to be successful because of, even though you built this, but if you're the face, it won't be successful unless you make a white male the face. So basically, if, you, if some, somebody with privilege is the face of the business, then it's going to be successful. And it was, it was horrific, to be honest. It was horrific, but it really gave me the drive to do this. I was like, you know what? Just because you said that, I'm going to prove you wrong. I am so going to prove you wrong. And I'm so glad that I stuck with it. Um, there was another time somebody came in. I was trying to get his girlfriend a job. And I was asking him for her resume. And I don't know what I said that put him off. And he's like, please, please, please. Can you please just go call your manager or something? I, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I was just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, what exactly about me besides my skin color just screams receptionist? But, you know, those are the things that we, we deal with. And those are the things that you hear. But those are the things that provide fuel for the drive and things that just say, you know, even if it kills me, I'm going to make this happen and I'm going to prove you wrong. And I'm so glad that I did. I'm so glad I did. And every day I'm proving all the naysayers wrong, which is, which is really awesome. So anyways, to go back to the story, um, so that's how Code We started. And then very quickly after, we started to get a lot of requests. You know, can you come to classes here? Can you come to classes there? Two hours away, three hours away. And, you know, I, I tried to accommodate, but then what I realized was that um, I was ending up spending so much time out of the house. Like I was not, I was never home. The kids will all be almost in bed by the time I go home. And, you know, when I tried to think about doing a second location, my husband was like, okay, so what you're saying is, we're going to see you less than we already see you right now. And I think that was like a, it was a like light bulb moment for me. It was like, wait, what? Back up, Ruth, you know, back up. Why exactly did you start this business? You started this for the flexibility. You started it because you wanted to have time for your family. You started this because you wanted to impact kids. There's got to be another way to do this without overextending yourself. And that's when I decided to go down the path of franchising. Uh, so our very first franchisee was a Codeways parent. They used to take classes at Codeways and they decided they wanted to do it for themselves. Our second franchisee was just walking by. He was just walking in front of the of the of the center and he saw it and he came in and there was a franchising flyer and he took it and he was like whoa I gotta do this and then our third franchisee um we came in through a broker but then our fourth franchisee was also a parent so it really goes to it's like the highest compliment I think that we can receive when parents decide to buy into the business and um, develop one for themselves 
So that's how it went down. Um, I'm not going to go into franchising and the lessons learned. I've made a ton, a ton of mistakes in the franchising space. Um, one of them, I wasted $60,000. Yes, you heard me right, $60,000. And it still hurts me up till today. Uh, but that's, I'm not going to go into that. Otherwise, this, this is going to get super long. I think that um, that's a story that I will share another time. But um, like I said, we're going to be changing, switching up, switching this up a little bit and sort of inviting other people to come and share their stories. And I'm really excited about that. So um, that would be coming up from the next episode. But I think the, the key takeaways that I want you to take away from this episode is um, that one, when life gives you lemons, you just need to start thinking about lemonade. How can you make lemonade out of this? You can sit down and sulk and stress and say, why me from now till tomorrow? But that doesn't change a thing. Life is what it is, right? Sometimes it's great, sometimes it's not. And when it's not that great, what do you do with it? My son's autism diagnosis really changed the trajectory of the business for the better because I use that as an opportunity to start writing operating manuals, to hire other people, to be able to trust people with the business. Because for your business, it's like your child. And so being able to trust other people to take care of it is a huge step. But I was able to do that because I had to, like I didn't have a choice. If, if I was going to stay sane, I had to do those things, but then it turned out to be really good. So when life gives you lemons, what do you do with them? Do you just sit down and sulk? Or do you figure out a way to turn those lemons into lemonade? And that would be my, um, my encouragement for you for 2021. We don't know what's coming. We don't know what's around the corner. But if we get more lemons like we did, I feel like we got a truckload, like a truckload of lemons in 2020. And if we get the same truckload or less, hopefully, of lemons in 2021, how can we turn those lemons into lemonade? How can we turn those problems into opportunities? How can we turn those challenges into stepping stones? That would be my um, encouragement for you for 2021. Okay, so I am all done. Again, super excited to bring on guests um, from next week. So I hope that you will like, share, subscribe, do all of that good stuff. I think it's very important to share our stories with other people just so that they can see themselves in, in us, you know, a lot of people glamour, in, they make success things like something that's so glamorous, so unattainable, only a, a select few can achieve success, can reach their dreams, but it's really not true. You know, every person can, we're all, most of us are average Jews and all we're doing is just putting one foot in front of the other. So I, this is a message that I want to share with the entire world. So please help me share my message by sharing, liking, and subscribing to this podcast. And if I don't see you, if I don't talk to you guys before next year, first of all, I want to wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. And I hope you take the time this holiday to breathe in and to exhale 
and to just, you know, get ready for for the new year and all the awesomeness that will be brought our way in the new year. So happy new year if I don't uh, drop an episode before then and I'll see you in 2021. Take care guys. Bye. Let's get it.